The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. Hi, this is Zach Galapanakis. You're listening to Cool Jazz Favorites. Hi, this is Zach Galapanakis. You're listening to Easy Listening Jazz Favorites. Okay. Hi, this is Zach Galapanakis. You're listening to KUCI. Irvine, 88.9. KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Thanks for listening to Our Digital Future every Thursday, 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m., where librarians around the world discuss the digital future of our information spaces with me, ZBZ. And today I'd like to introduce our guest who's calling in from Illinois. We've got Andrew Walsh on the line. Thanks for calling in. Hi, thanks for having me. Excited to be on the show. Oh, yeah, anytime. I'm really excited. You, you have um, experience in library information science as a grad student, as myself, at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, except yep. you're... Uh, you're not a distance learning student as I am. You are on campus, and you've also got some work in the library there, the main library doing um, reference. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. As I am on campus, but I actually still do take a couple of the, the distance classes, so it's kind of an interesting program in that it sort of has that hybrid nature where, um, you know, there's some classes that there's not an expert on campus to teach them, but fortunately the on-campus students are still able to um, you know, branch out and, and take classes with experts from, you know, all over the country. So it's a pretty great uh, opportunity. And this is your last semester as well, correct? It is, yeah. So well, congratulations. Uh, it'll all work out well. <laughs> yeah, and um, I see also that you're the founder and editor for Social Web Q&A. How did you start that site up? Yeah, so that's um, it's a blog I've had for, I guess I started probably last summer um, at some point. So... When I, I'd always been kind of interested in uh, blogging and kind of web design for a couple of years at least. So I kind of type little hobby sites uh, here and there. And then when I started studying um, LIS, I kind of realized that, that, you know, there are a lot of issues I wanted to share. But at the time, I didn't really want to do like kind of a library-themed blog because, you know, I'd already read a lot of, you know, pretty amazing blogs by other, you know, people in the field. And, you know, I, I did sort of join the conversation, you know, posting comments. I didn't really feel like I had a whole lot to add um, as far as the unique blog, so I sort of decided to draw from my background kind of in being interested in technology and being kind of in this, this blogging space for a couple of years, and over that time I had really kind of, you know, become active in blogging forums where people would, you know, share best tips and practices, and what I think is kind of interesting about my site, Social Web Q&A, is that I do try to treat a lot of issues that are important in LIS, you know, kind of with all the changes in, you know, digital information and how we consume and disseminate things online. Um, but I kind of bring it from my LIS experience and also my experience dealing in sort of this, this blogging world, which naturally you'd, you'd think it's, it's kind of, you know, more marketing focused and, you know, people trying to promote their own sites and make money. But I think there's a lot of, kind of similarities and, and ways the, the two different kind of worlds can learn from each other. So yeah, yeah, that's the kind of thing I try to try to do on the website. Yeah, nice website. They're very intertwined. Yeah, I think um, library information science and 
the social media as well as for libraries themselves they have to get out to the people the patrons the community and let them know what's mm -hmm. out there which is why um, Twitter such a good tool and I, yeah, I think I read an article the other day about how Twitter saved a specific um, bit library or museum in some city that it was just through the an acknowledgement that there was a problem the community rose and was able to save a library and that's um, amazing what social media oh, wow. web can do yeah yeah that's great and what got you in your background um we're here at uc irvine we've got an undergrads probably maybe listening before they go to class and so um after undergrad how, what made you go into your grad program of library information science like what led to that decision yeah, well, actually, I, yeah, I sort of had a, I sort of stumbled onto the field a little early. Um, it was, I think, during my, my junior year in undergrad, and I was a Spanish major at the time, so I was, you know, studying literature and, you know, language and grammar and all that, uh, taking a lot of really interesting classes. But I sort of wanted to explore maybe less traditional ways where I might use a foreign language degree. You know, I knew, you know, the idea to go to grad school or to, you know, teach somewhere, but I was kind of curious, you know, what else there might be. So I think I stumbled upon librarianship in kind of one of those kind of career pamphlets, you know, that I got somewhere at school. Um, I was at a very small liberal arts college in Iowa, Grinnell College, and I think it was probably something through the, the career office. And I remember just looking at librarianship and thinking, you know, I don't really understand how that field would really fit with, with my major, so I was, I was curious, naturally, so I decided to investigate a little more, and what I found first was kind of ways that, that the Spanish background would be valuable would be in things like being a subject specialist in an academic library, possibly kind of in area studies, uh, kind of a more interdisciplinary approach at, at some areas, and also things like, you know, foreign language cataloging and just other ways where a second language is useful, but kind of in that process of researching how Spanish could fit in with, with LIS, I sort of, it sort of, I guess I would say sparked a broader interest as I kind of read about the field and how it was, you know, such a dynamic, um, you know, state here with, with obviously, you know, a big revolution in how we, you know, display and find and, and publish information. So it just really seemed to kind of go with my interests and, and my, since I'd been a kid, you know, I've been very passionate about all sorts of different types of collections and, and things like that. So it just seemed like something I was really interested in. And since, so luckily I sort of found that out uh, when I still had a year of undergrad left. So I, I went and talked to the library director at Grinnell College, just kind of about the field. And it was a very small library, so very kind of informal. And, uh, and then I applied for just a job to work there. Um, at the circulation desk and um, in the special collections department. So I was able to kind of take that next year and, and start working in a library and kind of talking with, with the professionals and seeing if it was you know, truly something I would want to do. And uh, I really enjoyed it, so it kind of confirmed what I had been thinking. And, yeah, and then, you know, at that point, I pretty much knew that, that I definitely wanted to go to library school. I feel that similar to a lot of people, they start out as undergrads with a maybe a job in the library as a student mm -hmm. assistant, and then they get to see, I think, that it's a great environment, especially on a campus, to be surrounded by an academic community, yeah. I feel, is great. Have you used Spanish much in your graduate assistantship, your main library, University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign work at all? 
Yeah, I actually do um, somewhat. I, my, my job here at, at Illinois is kind of split between two units. I work in the just main reference department, so doing reference and some instruction. And then the other part of, of my job is in the literatures and languages department. And I actually work under the specialist who covers, uh, she covers, well, Spanish, and she's actually interim Latin American librarian right now. So I do use my Spanish background kind of more on a, a collections um, kind of uh, scope. So I'll, I'll use, you know, my knowledge for, for looking up um, reading catalogs from Spanish language vendors and determining appropriate items to order and processing materials when they come in sometimes we actually get pretty significant amount of, of gifts and, and donations of books and often they are in uh, romance languages so spanish I, I sort of have to fake my way through italian and portuguese as well which which sometimes <laughs> gets kind of funny yeah but, um yeah so so it is nice to be able to, to use those skills um, and then obviously uh the unit the literatures and languages uh, library does handle kind of more specialized reference I wouldn't say I do that, you know, every day or probably even every week, but occasionally I do um, give you know, people researching Spanish and Latin American topics to kind of sit down and, and do more in-depth kind of reference and show them the best databases. Or a lot of people are interested in doing research on, you know, old newspapers from Mexico or, or other Spanish-speaking countries. So it's kind of a could be a complicated process to really track down all these kind of more specialized resources uh, internationally. So. Yeah, that's what's great about libraries is that there's resources from all around the world and even mm -hmm. daily newspapers. People wouldn't realize it when you go to the current periodical section where the newspapers are. You've got the daily update from almost, you know, hands-on print, not just on the web digitally, but you can go and get the physical newspaper. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And then people, I think it's great for the community to know if they want to learn a language, there's all the resources at their nearest public library. It's free information. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize until going to grad school that, you know, knowing all these different languages is really important to the field, you know, as a potential cataloger or reference librarian. The yeah. more languages you know, the better. It's really beneficial. You're really lucky you got your undergrad in Spanish. And it's funny because, yeah, you're, aren't you mostly Irish, too? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um. interesting. And then you not only are you using it a little bit now, but there's this program I think we just both did called Alternative Spring Break, where they sent us to Puerto Rico, and I bet your Spanish background had something to do with it. Yes, yeah, that was, that was a great opportunity through uh, University of Illinois. Yeah, so we, we got to go down to Puerto Rico for a week and tour various uh, archives and libraries at, at the University of, of Chihuahua down there. So, yeah, it was a great opportunity and great way to kind of use a Spanish background and an interest in, in those, those issues. So, yeah, it was a great experience. Do you think you'd ever move there for a job? Ah, I would definitely be interested. Yeah, it would be a great, <laughs> great place to work. Yeah, I know everyone's looking now since there's got, you know, the end of the two-year mostly distance learning program for me anyways. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, just like any market, I guess it's it's hard. you got to really focus on your applications. That's what I could say to the undergrads is really work well on focusing your resume and cover letter to the job specificities. And yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I heard you need to apply to like 20, 25 places to get like five interviews and maybe one offer. So keep at it, everyone. How, how are you doing with that? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm still, um, I've sent out a number of applications, still in the relatively early stages. I haven't 
had any interviews yet, but I really just sent out kind of my first wave just a couple of, of weeks ago. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of, as far as looking for that first job, it, it sort of can be a little difficult because it seems like some places, well, I'm, I'm kind of focusing on academics, so it could be different if you're looking at public libraries or special libraries, but a lot of a lot of universities kind of, it sort of seems like they're waiting for you to actually have your degree in hand before you really start applying, and lot, whereas others make it very clear that, you know, if you're graduating this year, it's, it's fine to do it as long as, you know, by the time you would start, you have your degree. So what I found to be a pretty good strategy is to kind of start throwing out some applications, you know, a few months before graduation, maybe even up to, you know, six months if you're particularly ambitious, but sort of doing that just to sort of see what happens and then really kind of intensifying your search as you get closer to that graduation day. So I've sort of found that I sent out a few early cover letters and uh, resumes to this point, and it's really helped me sort of clarify, you know, my experiences and, you know, learn how to really express that in the best way and also to kind of tailor it to the individual libraries. And just kind of doing that is a valuable process. And then now that I'm actually getting closer and it seems like um, – probably more universities will really kind of take it, take me more seriously as, you know, I'm about to actually be graduated, then, then I'll already have that experience, and, and hopefully uh, it will benefit me. So, oh. yeah, so I, I have a bunch of, of jobs coming up in the next couple of weeks that I'm working on applications for. So, yeah, pretty exciting. Oh, well, good exciting luck. process. Yeah, congr- good luck. Hope that leads to a nice academic librarian position where you can use Spanish and all our library skills we learn in the library information science program. I recommend, highly yeah. recommend it to everyone. I know a lot of undergrads are probably wondering what what to do. You know, I know I had a bachelor's of science and I didn't know what to do with my biological sciences degree. I applied to positions as a lab assistant and everything mm-hmm. that I didn't necessarily want to do forever. And then came along with the library staff position and then. A, idea to go to library school and that that helped out i think with mm-hmm. my future it's a great environment and i'm, I'm also on your website right now social web q a teaching you all about the social web where people information and technology exist that's a great subject for our digital future and you've got such topics as why should i start a blog but i'm interested in um this one about soundcloud i mean what how do you feel about that yeah um so that so that's that's actually an interesting post to point out because that was actually written by a guest author who I just met through I think like an online blogging community. So that's one thing I try to do with with this website, and I kind of envision as a, as a space where you know I'll write a lot of posts, but hopefully I'm hoping to get kind of guest bloggers to share their experiences. And um, yeah, to this point, I've had kind of some you know more bloggers and kind of internet marketers write a couple things, and I had a friend of mine who's a middle school teacher write a post about kind of the effects of technology and education. So just kind of in general, that um, that's something I'm trying to accomplish with this blog. So if anyone's listening and would be interested in kind of sharing their thoughts on really any of these issues about information technology or, or social media, uh, there's, there's a link to write for us right up at the top of the social web, qnda.com. So, um, yeah, that would be great. And, yeah, as far as that post, in general, I, I haven't really used the SoundCloud platform myself uh, too extensively. I, I don't really have an account. I've, I've gone on other people's kind of profiles and, and seeing, you know, what they've been up to. And it seems like it has some pretty great features to help musicians and kind of help people connect and network. And 
yeah, it's definitely something I want to um, look into in more detail in the future, definitely. Well, your recent post is about starting a blog, which is on a blog, basically. That's interesting. So you think people should start blogs. That's, I mean, I think most people have one in a way, but you're meaning more like a professional type? Yeah, yeah, I'm sort of, yeah, what I did in, in that post was I tried to kind of share a couple different ways you might want to have a blog. Yeah, so one of them was definitely for kind of networking or even, you know, career branding if you're either trying to get a job or, or maybe if you want to, you know, switch careers, maybe if you're already in a particular field and you sort of want to do something else, starting up a blog and just kind of sharing your expertise in that in that new field is a great way to kind of get you know get your feet wet and start you know getting some feedback from others in the area and yeah another point I, I try to underscore is just that even just regularly just posting to a blog just you know it's, it's very good just instills good habits in you you know you really become a, a better writer and just the consistency and you know having to back up your your points with you know kind of you know, facts that you find, you know, elsewhere just kind of helps your research skills a little bit. So, yeah, I think I think blogging is, is just a great outlet and, you know, it can be very valuable for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, that's great. Written, written communication is definitely important as well as, um, you know, what if someone wants to start up a podcast? That's a good way as well as taking the written word to audio. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's I think I, I hope, at least I hope I mentioned that in the post is that, yeah, you know, we, we sort of often just think of, you know, blogs as, you know, purely textual, but obviously there's a lot of amazing blogs that use, you know, all types of different media. There's, you know, photo blogs, video blogs, obviously podcasts, and, you know, really just, it's not, it's not only about, you know, writing, you know, sentences and, you know, connecting them together, but just kind of sharing your thoughts just through a, a blog format, kind of however you can best express them. Uh, I feel like most people do that in one way or another already, but just to keep it consistent is, I think, mm -hmm. a motivational um, skill. We need to just keep yeah. it fresh. Yeah, and, and for, yeah, and I, I feel like for yeah, for some people, it seems like you know maybe a blog isn't necessary because they just kind of share their their ideas just kind of through social networks and you know Facebook, Twitter, things like that. And yeah, I would say yeah, what I try to point out in, in that piece is that. There are a lot of benefits that come from kind of creating your own space and, you know, it gives you much more control if you have your own blog versus just, you know, you can only post 140 characters, obviously, on Twitter and Facebook also has, you know, limits, so you can't really reflect quite as, you know, uniquely and really as long as you might like to. So there's just, I don't know, there's something about really kind of controlling your own space rather than just putting up your thoughts just on, on someone else's kind of space, even though obviously there's a lot of, you know, great reasons you, you want to be on social networking sites but I think it's good to also have a blog to kind of bring people back to if, if they find you there yeah so if anyone's interested check out socialwebqnda.com that's q-a-n-d-a dot com that's very um good for Andrew Walsh to be the founder and editor congratulations and then also um I want to hear a little bit about your special collections Time. You are currently gonna about to finish a certificate in special co collections, correct? Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, so that was actually something that it almost came up, um, you know, without me even really knowing it. The, the way the program was set up is there's just like one required course and then a, a number of electives. So, so I I, I took the majority of the courses just on my own interest, not even planning on getting a formal certificate, but I just took 
kind of a, a course on bibliography where we really kind of, um, you know, studied books as, as physical objects and things like that. And then I took a class on the history of libraries where we got a lot into, you know, kind of historical development and kind of cultural issues at stake. And then at some point I just saw that there was this certificate and you only needed, you know, I think it was only about four classes. So I was already almost there. <laughs> so I, I, since I my interest in special collections went all the way back to my first year in, in undergrad when I started working at the library and I was in our special collections department and handling just a lot of really interesting, you know, cultural items relating to the college and the town that I lived in, you know, old photos and other things that were donated and dealing with kind of specialized research requests coming in from other universities. I just thought it was pretty fascinating that, you know, special collections are really what make libraries, you know, special these days and, and unique because, you know, main collections so much are becoming kind of subscription-based, you know, everyone has the same databases and, you know, what what you have that's, you know, in physical form and, and not found anywhere else is, is really what sets libraries apart, so. That's true, and displaying them yeah. on exhibit as well. Mm-hmm. And then, so did you say special collections is something you were looking into, working in? as a professional as well or just mostly academic librarian positions? Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of hard to say. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of kind of developing these different interests and it might be tough to pull them all together into any sort of job. But yeah, it's definitely something I'm, I'm interested in. Um, one thing, if, if I look at kind of smaller, smaller universities, you know, academic jobs, there are kind of opportunities to do a lot more just different things. So your job will just obviously contain a lot more different activities if you're at a smaller place. So I think there, there's maybe more of a chance to integrate kind of these different interests I have into into one job, possibly. But yeah, I think at this point, I'm definitely starting with the reference and instruction angle and then just seeing if, if the rest of my interests could possibly fall into place. That's true, yeah. I'm um, doing uh, my practicum at the American Film Institute Special Collections, and the librarian there is primarily the librarian, but also has to act as the archivist, and that's like mm-hmm. two-in-one, and it is a really small campus for MFAs in film directing and editing production, uh-huh. etc. So it is really, a, I think, a great skill to be active in both fields, because you will be maybe that one person in a smaller place, like you mentioned. Yeah, and it's yeah, and even if it's not you know part of your job description, even just working at, at the main reference desk in, at the U, University of Illinois, we often get a lot of questions relating to our, our special collection because as I said, you know when they're unique items and yours is the only place in the world that has it, or even if you're one of uh, you know, maybe two or three libraries that have something, you get a lot of questions. So even if if you have just a main you know regular main reference uh, position. It really helps to have a knowledge of those special collections and, and how they work and things like that, how to find them, you know, offline and kind of knowledge of copyright practices and things like that because people are naturally going to you know, want some sort of either a loan or, or a scan. So just knowing, not even just passing them on to the special collections department, but sort of being able to respond and add some value and really kind of help the researcher with, with what he or she might need. What's big in your special collections, do you know? Uh, at the U of I? Yeah, or what's been a recent question or one that you can remember? Uh, let's see. Yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times since we have just you know, one of the biggest libraries and one of the biggest academic libraries 
the world, definitely in the in North America. So a lot of times people will just stumble upon some sort of rare, you know, manuscripts or, or old books that they just get through probably just an open web search. And since a lot of times, you know, Google could even lead them into our library catalog for certain items or our special collections, kind of finding aids or things like that. We'll just get emails um, that'll say, you know, I found this. And a lot of times the the person emailing won't really won't have really noticed that it's a rare material or maybe that it doesn't circulate and just treats it like a normal item. So, so I need to be able to kind of look up and, and see that it's something located in our special collection. And I think recently, once someone was, was just inquiring about an item and it turned out to be something very rare and valuable that we wouldn't loan and, and even digitizing uh, or creating a, a copy for them would probably be problematic because it was a fragile item. But you can find out sometimes things are just have already been digitized. If, if it's something that's maybe held by a different library, maybe the Google uh, Books Project scanned it or maybe someone else created an online copy. So a couple of times I've actually been able to find just a, a copy of it freely available online to send back to the researcher, and they're always very uh, grateful for that. Yeah, I just love how varied um, reference questions can be and how each day is a surprise working at the library. Yeah, it's, it's going to be definitely a surprise. It's, yeah, it's very interesting. It creates um, a very knowledgeable skill set. I think it's very exciting. You're like the investigator. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you just have to track down, you know, very obscure either sources or facts even that Never a dull Sometimes moment. It takes a long time, but it's usually out there somewhere. So everyone, if you're interested in libraries, definitely I would re highly recommend graduate school and library information science, such as um, we're into right now. And I want to remind everyone we're talking with Andrew Walsh. You're a library and information science grad student, and you're interested in the ways we learn, create, and interact on the web. So says you're about the author on your social web Q&A website. So everyone can go there to ask a question and follow up under contact and read your articles on blogs. And I congratulate you on completing your degree and thank you for being on our show, Our Digital Future. And um, is there anything else you'd like to share with the community? Oh, well, yeah, thanks for having me. It was, yeah, it was great to, to talk about these issues. And yeah, if anyone is interested in kind of reading more about, you know, the social web and technology. I'd love, you know, comments on the blog or if anyone wants to submit some sort of guest post of, of sharing experiences or knowledge or even just asking a question if you're interested in something specific, I very much welcome that on the blog. So. Okay, well, have a good day. Thanks for calling yeah, you in. Too. Yeah, thanks again. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks again to Andrew Walsh for calling in to today's episode of Our Digital Future every Thursday, 8.30 to 9. And um, coming up next is Nonprofits for Us. The 9 to 10 a.m. slot is the world of nonprofit organizations with Deanne Crane. Stay tuned for more great public affairs programming on KUCI. <laughs>